everyone. I'm Dr. Yosefa Fogel-Rubel, and this is One-on-One Women Talk Torah, a series brought to you by Matan Women's Institute for Torah Study. Hi, everyone. I'm Rivi Frankel, and welcome back to Matan's One-on-One Parsha podcast, where we spend about 30 minutes discussing deep thematic points about the Parsha. Our series on Tvarim is titled Dor Sheikh, Messages for a Lifetime. Each episode explores Moshe's educational message for the Jewish people as they prepare to enter the land of Israel. Each week's guest will be someone who herself has learned at Matan and is now passing these educational messages on to the next generation of Torah students. If you would like to sponsor a podcast episode in honor or memory of a loved one, please contact the Matan office by telephone or email us at podcast at matan.org.il. These sponsorships enable us to keep creating new content. So if you have deliberated until now, please don't hesitate to be in touch. This week's Parsha, Re'eh, begins with blessings and curses. Blessings if we listen to the commandments of God and curses if we follow other gods. Moshe tells the people that when they enter the land, they will read the blessings and curses at Mount Grizim and Mount Eval. Then we have a list of chukim and mishpatim, laws and rules, that must be observed in the land. They include destroying all the sites of Avodah not worshipping God as if he were a foreign god, and sacrificing to God at the place that he will choose, and not anywhere else. They are told not to partake in the blood of sacrifices, and not to eat the portion set aside for tithing, to take care of the lady who has no portion, and always set aside the appropriate portions to be brought to the Beit HaMikdash, even if they live at a great distance. Once again, Moshe warns the people not to add or subtract from the word of God. In addition, he warns them to be weary of a prophet who tries to lure people to the service of foreign gods. That false prophet should be put to death, a fate that Moshe delineates for anyone who tries to persuade people to leave God. The list of commandments continues, including laws about which animals can and cannot be eaten, nullifying debts in the seventh year, and setting the Jewish bondsperson free. We end with a description of the Shlosh Regalim, the three holidays where there is a commandment to go up to the place that Hashem has chosen to worship and to celebrate. Today, my guest is Adina Ellis. Adina is a graduate of the fourth cohort of the Matan Bellows Eshkelot Fellowship for Tanakh Educators. She currently lectures in English and in Hebrew in her local Yad Binyamin community, writes educational curriculum at Herzog College, and is the author of Matan's Sarah Liton Satsal Monthly Emuna Essay. Adina, it is great to have you with us. Hi, Rivi. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. So the name of this week's Parsha is an interesting one. Re'eh. See. Until now, Moshe's speech has been about hearing, right? We've had the word Shema come up a couple of times. It's all been about this oratory experience that the Jewish people are having. And we see that there's some sort of shift, not only in the name of the Parsha, right? See these blessings and curses, which is a weird phraseology, but even in terms of later in the Parsha, where we see that there's a uh, false prophet, somebody who sees, a false seer. So we're moving in the senses that Moshe is including in his final speech to the Jewish people. And I'm wondering if you can shed some light, if you will, pun a little bit intended, on this concept of seeing and this development that, that we're noticing in Devarim. Yeah, sure. I mean, I agree the word re'eh seems a bit superfluous. It doesn't 
it's a need in the pasuk there. So it, it begs us to explore it a little bit. And that sight is a really complex sense. It's the most complex of all of our senses. Our eyes focus on an image and then it needs to be interpreted in like three different parts of our brain. It's really complicated. And this idea of interpretation is something that happens on a literal level. But it's also when we view something, when we see something, we're interpreting it. There's always a perception, a perception bias. And um, we subconsciously form assumptions or draw conclusions based on what we see. And we have this a lot of times in Humash, in the story of Matot, when Reuben and God came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they asked to stay in You have the word re'e there. They saw the lush green pasture and they interpret it as a great place for their cattle. So you have the word re'e there. You have them talking about they say they see one thing, whereas all the tribes saw the same thing, but Reuben and God interpreted it as something else. So the word of seeing implies this interpretation. And then we saw there in Matom, Moshe Rabbeinu's reaction was like, oh no, this reminds us of what happened with the Chumaraglim. They saw things and they interpreted it a certain way. And there in Matot, it continues with that idea. And he has the word, and then Hashem gives the punishment that we won't be able to, not just enter land, but the verse specifically says there, in Anashim. These, the Olim of Mitzrayim, this generation is not going to get to see the land because it's midah connected to this idea of distorting vision. So we're not surprised we're going to have this in other places. But we have the idea of distorting vision by Cheta Egel, right? When we said, um, So of course, we're not going to be surprised that we also have this in the first of the sins we have in Gan Eden, when the Isha, the woman, sees the fruit, that it's, it's pleasant, it's good to be eaten, and it's a ta'avahu la'inaim, it's something that's appealing. So we have this theme of this idea of how we see things, we perceive them a certain way, and then we, we, we're interpreting them. The miraglim is the most obvious of those examples, I think. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers, so that's, of course, how they see us. Our perception is biased, how, how we see ourselves in this lowly place. I've always wondered, why is chagavim dafka? Of all things, why is it that? So a lot of Mepharshim talked about, it's this sort of a lowly animal. I saw different Mepharshim, this form of the Ramban. I think it connects to this uh, phrase we say just before that, when we say it's Eretz Ochelet Yoshveha. We saw the people there, we know the Midrash tells us that we saw the people burying their dead, which Hashem tell, created that situation intentionally for our benefit. It's Latovatenu. it's for our benefit. And instead of seeing that saying, wow, Hashem helped us out to distract them so we could come and explore the land, we interpreted it as something negative. And we created this whole story. It's like this confabulation, we say in psychology, this, we created this whole story, like really it's Eretz it's a land that eats its inhabitants. So we must be the food. One of the things that I know about you since we've become friends is your ability to see these very deep ideas in Torah and parallel them with modern positive psychology. And I'm wondering, what kind of connections you see here between those two things. Yeah, thank you. There's so many, it's, it's amazing. Can you just define for people, I think a lot of times we think positive psychology as, oh, I love this, and, and even maybe a po uh, toxic positivity. Uh, I'm not sure everybody oh. actually knows what positive psychology is, so could you define it for us? Uh, yeah, I mean, as opposed to self-help, which is lovely and, and great tips for living a good life, I think it, it was coined by Marty Seligman around 20 years ago when he was actually focusing on psychology, the more traditional psychology, which is 
really, he called it, he said, curing the negatives does not produce the positives. You know, he coined the phrase learned helplessness, which is, you know, it's a legitimate phrase about this concept, people getting used to the idea of being helpless, and then they continue that, their lives in that pattern. But it's focusing on the negative. And he, he shifted his, his style of uh, research to become, and that's the positive psychology is research-based, but to talk about learned optimism, right? And this idea of choice, the idea that we can affect our lives. And that's so much embedded in the Torah. I'll just mention two of them real quick, something I, I really very much connected to Carol Dweck's work on mindset, where her basic concept is the idea of the potential for growth. When, you, when you're stuck in a fixed mindset, it's just what you see is what you get, right? You mess up one time and it's over. And the whole story of Chumash we have, and Tanakh in general, which is part of why I love Tanakh, is that nobody is perfect and we all mess up many, many times in different ways. And then we have the opportunity to build ourselves up again. And that's the growth mindset. It's not just what you see is what you get and you're, you're stuck. But, okay, we can create change. We can create shifts in how we act and how we see things and we could try again. And, and I think Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to encourage us to do that. Can you bring me back to Re'eh in our Parsha? and how you see that and that idea of perception as something that is integral in Moshe's message for the people here. Yeah, definitely, because it's re'e, see, and he said, the continuation of the Pasuk is, as you said, and there's this idea of, of a choice. And as we know, the sister Pasuk we have in, a, in Dvarim Periklamid, we have a very similar pasuk, which is the, the bookends to this pasuk, where it says, Re'ena tatilfanecha hayom, and then it ex expands it. Moshe Rabbeinu expands it, Tehayim v'tatov life and good, death and bad. And then a bit later, Moshe Rabbeinu tells us, Ubacharte b'chayim, and choose life. One of the themes that Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to us as we're about to enter the land, it says, you have choice of how to live your life, how to see things. You can choose to see things as a bracha or a klala. It's about in interpretation. This, this idea of the word bracha is something that actually repeats 50, I counted 15 times in Parsha Re'e. It's, it's many, many times, and it's certainly a theme within the Parsha. It's a, you could say a milamacha in the Parsha, a repeating word, a thematic word. And Rav Hirsch talks, when he defines bracha, we know Rav Hirsch is you know, all about explaining words and defining them. And as bracha, we know it's connected to the body part, berech, your knee. So what's the connection? How is, how is it linked? And, and he says the berech, the knee, is the part of your, that, you know, you bend it and it propels you forward. When you're walking, when you're moving, we don't really give much credit to our knees, but our, knee, our knees are pretty important. They bring us forward. It's, he says it, it's this, this necessary force that it propels you forward to create movement. And when you want bracha in your life, you, you can choose to see the good. The tov and the chayim can choose to see the bracha, and it's also seeing bracha in other people because we have this word when it's linked, and the, the 15 times it, we, it appears, many of the times it's by these other topics, which you mentioned, the different topics in the parsha. You have Master Shani, right? You're giving the tithes, and it talks there in the Pasuk in Perak Yudalid, right? Pasukim Chavzain through Chavten, and it talks about to, to come and to bring to the Levi who doesn't have a nachla, doesn't have a portion, and the Gera, Yatom Ba'almana. We, we always worry about these people that potentially could be considered on a shim people that are not seen, people that are not cared for. And, and then the pasuk continues, the man Hashem. So God will give you this bracha. When you see other people and you see the good in them, 
um, you bring bracha to the world. You know, I don't know if you've done this for, I feel like you would, Rivi, birthdays, you know, birthday celebrations, like give me a birthday bracha, right? <laughs> Definitely, yep. And like some people give a bracha and they're just like, chef a bracha, you know, have a great year, whatever, kind of like a generic bracha, but like a really good bracha, you know, it's when someone looks you in the eye and they see the good in you and they say that good, just, just double it, just expand it. It should just burst forth from you, right? You see what's there and you want to, expand it. And that's the word bracha connected to the word brecha, like a pool. It's like overflowing. And it's also interesting what you're saying, because Moshe very clearly links the bracha and the potential for klala, for, for blessing or curse, is directly linked to our actions. Yeah. And so we have the ability to draw down that energy that you're talking about. It's not just about being blessed by God in a random way, but it's if you follow, God has given you the formula that if you follow this formula, then you are choosing to bring goodness and blessing into your life, into the world, to the people. And if you choose not to follow that path, so then you're choosing to bring a different energy into the world. And so even in what Moshe is telling them, we see it very clearly connected to their actions. Yeah, definitely. And the actions are actions of kindness and seeing one another because you have it as I said, a master Shani. And then the next topic we have of Shemitah, Shemitah Ksafim, which I know we just had a Shemitah year here in Israel. And a lot of focus is about, you know, oh, do you eat Heter Mechira or Yuval Nachri or whatever? And how do you package up your Kedusha Tzvi? And it's, it's all great, but there's also this whole aspect of Shemitah, which is care about one another and you that there shouldn't be any needy among you. And it's the sensitivity, which I think part of the Shemitah year is also worrying about the farmers and, you know, the people who own nurseries and gardeners and, you know, all these other people. I think that's part of the spirit of Shemitah that we could perhaps also work on as the people here having the, the merit to, to really keep Shemitah, but also worrying about the needs of others. And through that, we have the bracha, like it very much connects. And you see it over and over again when you have this idea of giving like to give generously and then the pastor continues because of this Hashem will bless you and you have this link which I think is fascinating when you look closely coming through the Parsha the link between the blessing and seeing one another and with also Evid Ivri is the same thing right you're going to let this person free back into society it's a really hard struggle that's definitely someone who could be this Anashim Shkufim like a sort of invisible person that you don't see how do they get back into being independent after being an, in someone's household for all those years, right? It's it's very challenging. So we give to them. When you let them free, the Pasuk there tells us, in Devari Imperak Tedvav, Pasuk Yodalid, when you send them free, Ki Tishachenu Chavshi, you don't leave them, they're not empty-handed, right? It says, Ta'aniklo, you should give them from your your provisions, Asher Bayrechecha Hashem Elokecha, what Hashem blessed you with, give to him. Like our bracha that we have is to give to others. We see in others their need and we give them. And there's that link, that duality of Hashem blessing us so we can bless others. And the word bracha, I don't know where I heard this from, but it's amazing. The letters of the shorish of bracha, right? Bet, resh, chaf. It's the only three letters we have from our Aleph Bet that are double the value, the gematria of the letter before. So we know bet is worth two in gematria, and the letter before that was the aleph was worth one. And then a resh is 200. The letter before that was 100 for kuf. And chaf, we know, was 20, and the letter before that was the yod, which was worth was 10. And I feel like there's something amazing there of the bracha is, like we said, when you give someone a good bracha, 
you you see what they have there, you see what's the, the previous number, so to speak, but you see what's present and you want to give them more. You want to expound on it. And you see the bracha Hashem has given you, and so you want to give that bracha forward, you want to pay it forward. So it's one of the themes I think in the parsha is how we're meant to be as a people, is caring for one another and seeing one another. I think that's one of the biggest blessings you can give someone is to, that they feel seen. Even in the Parsha, where we have so much of this theme of the Avodah Zarah, it seems to be everywhere. And, and we're given a very strong directive to remove Avodah Zarah. In Perak Yudbet, at the very beginning of Parsha Re'eh, it says, Abe Tabdun, it's Kol HaMekomot, Al-Haril HaRamim, remove all the places of Avodah Zarah on the, on the high mountaintops, on the hills, Al-Hagvaot, B'Tachat Kolets Ra'anan, under all these trees. It seems to just be everywhere. But in the Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us to focus our energies to Hamakom, the place, the place that Hashem has chosen, the place for the Shechina. And I think there's a link there of the secret to happiness. Rabbi Sachs talks about how do you define Simcha, and he says maybe there's not really a word for it in English. He says Simcha is the idea of happiness shared. It's the idea of connectivity, of coming together to the place. And perhaps that's another theme in Parsha Re'eh, is unlike all these Avodah which is where anywhere you want to do them, basically, you choose the place, and it's this idea of coming together. So Brene Brown, who's another big name in this positive psychology, and I, I love her work as a, a shame researcher, and she talks about, she, that also evolved for her to end up talking about positivity, but you have you need to have both, and that's one of her big themes. And she says their connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. This idea of connection and coming together is what brings the simcha, that we, we have the Shalash Regalim, which is the end of the Parsha, we're coming together. We're coming as a people to celebrate. And, and those themes which you can find in all this research is really embedded in the Torah. And I think, I think it's, it's really empowering and encouraging how many amazing messages that we have. This idea of even being out of nature. When I picture us, can you picture us? Bizrat Hashem, Rabbi, we'll go. I mean, you're already in your Shalayim, but when I come, you know, we're like camp out. Maybe I'll sleep over by you, but maybe on the way, you know, we'll sleep out in tents under the stars, like a camping trip. Like it's so fun. Being out in nature is a huge thing that there's been also many studies done lately about how we're not spending enough time outdoors and how much outdoor time affects our, our mental health. It's a huge factor. But I think the Torah also wants to encourage us to be aware of nature, which in the last uh, the section, as we said, as a Shalash Regalim, there's an emphasis there on, on Pesach being Chodesh Ha'aviv. It's repeated two times. In that, last, in that section. And I think there's symbolism there. It's not just that we now, we know we have the calendar system, which I know became, it's a legal thing, you know, we see that, okay, we need to have the calendar, so it's always in the springtime. There's another message there about being aware of your surroundings, about being inspired by what we see, the blossoming of the, of the flowers, the different colors, the smells, the beauty of the world around us. There's new growth that's happening around us is meant to connect us with this theme of, of our gula, of our redemption that happened in Pesach, in leaving Mitzrayim, that we were, is the birth of a new nation. It's the new, the new beginning, just like we have that around us. And that connection there is something that's very important for us. I think the Torah wants us to be in tune with nature. You know, I learned Thoreau in high school and I thought of uh, <laughs> Henry David Thoreau and I thought of a quote from him, you know, his transcendentalism, very into going into nature. And he says, um, a beautiful quote, I'll just, I'll just say it to you. He says, you must live in the present. Launch yourself on every wave. Find your eternity in each moment. 
Fools stand on their island of opportunities and look toward another land. There is no other land. There is no other life but this. So I would interpret that quote to be there is no other land but Eretz Israel. You know, it's not Walden Pond. Um, <laughs> uh, but also the idea of living in the present. Because we have, we talked about the Bechira, this idea of choice in the Parsha Re'e. The word Re'e is seeing and perceiving, and that's a choice of how we perceive things. And we have a choice in choosing to see a bracha or a klala. And then we have this idea of today, living today, because the word Hayom is repeated three times in the first three psukim in the Parsha. And it's, I think, 74 times in all of the book of Devarim. It's a theme of like, live today, that's all we have, which is another major theme in positive psychology of, of today is today. You know, we, we can't worry about yesterday. That's all the anxiety is worrying about, you know, what, what I could have done and should have done in the past or worrying about what could be in the future. Like that's all psychologists don't do that. That's all the negative stuff is in the past or in the future. Live for today, the Hayom. We want to live for today to see the positive, to see our opportunity to see each other, one another, and to see and give bracha to each other. So I give us a bracha, Rivi, that we we continue to, to grow and we fall down and we get up again. And we, we continue to find the good and expand on that and live today, Bezrat Hashem, live today and see the beautiful world around us <laughs> and find find joy together. Amen. I want to go back a second to talking about the Shlosh Regalim. I think I know one of my favorite things that I learned uh, when I was when I was becoming a tour guide was about the Cholda Gates. So the gates, uh, if you have ever been to the Southern Wall excavations, they're the gates leading into the section of the Beit HaMikdash from Ir David, from the city of David. And you go up these Southern gates and you go through the Cholda gates. And the reason they're called the Cholda gates is either because uh, maybe Cholda is buried in the area, the prophetess, or because Cholda is like a small gopher oh, animal. Right. It's an animal that, that um, burrows. And so uh, the Jews would pop up like little gophers, <laughs> as they were all coming for uh, the Shlosh Regalim. But there were two entrances. And one entrance was the in entrance. And one entrance, one tunnel entrance was the out entrance. And at first you might think, oh, this is because Tomantara, right? Ritual impurity. But everybody going up to the Beit HaMikdash at this point, everybody going up to the temple is already ritually pure. Oh. So there should be no worrying. So why do we have this in and this out exit? Mm -hmm. And What's really interesting is that people who are either in Avelut, in their time of mourning, or people who lost a crop, or people who are going through some sort of intense emotional event or pain, they walk in the outgate mm. so that everybody who sees them coming in knows that they're someone who needs a little bit of extra support at this time. Wow. And when you're talking about Hamakom, right, when you're talking about the place, this is the central place where we know that God is everything. Everything exists within God. And my value is because God says that I have value. And the person next to me's value is because God also says that they have value. And how I see them, if I see them as a reflection of godliness, or if I see them as a person that Hashem has put right here, right now. So then the way that I see them can be positive. But more than that, you talked about the people that were unseen, right? Whether that was with yeah. the way that we give different types of miser or the bondsman, right? Yeah. The widow, the orphan, or the gay, right? People who by definition are sometimes overlooked in society. When we come together as a people, 
you have an opportunity to be seen. You have an opportunity to walk in the out gate so that you can feel a part of the people. And I think that can only happen, Yerushalayim, and that can only happen when you see everything as some reflection of God's energy in the world, exactly what you're talking about. And so I think we see that in a practical way as well, in a, in a physical way, through that entering and leaving the Beit HaMikdash. Wow. And you have that also, isn't it? Shosh Regalim, we talk about it, the idea of being seen before Hashem. Yeah. So isn't that like an amazing connection there? We all, Hashem sees us and we see one another. And there's definitely a connection there of how we're meant to emulate God, to be seen and to feel seen. I think that's a, an amazing goal that it's really a, a, a real very strong human need right definitely adina i'd like to thank you so much for this conversation i always enjoy talking to you and again pun intended your insights <laughs> into these these deeper areas of torah so thank you very much and i bless you that you should continue to be able to spread the light of torah and these ideas and only experience goodness and bracha amen thank you so much ruby I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm Dr. Yosefa Fogel-Rubel, and this is One-on-One Women Talk Torah, a series brought to you by Matan Women's Institute for Torah Study. Please do one-on-one and women's Torah learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new listeners. You can stream and download these episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Matan's website. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review in the comments. Please send us any feedback at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Thanks for listening, everyone.